0: Welcome back. Buckle up, folks. We're going to cover two chapters in Moses' story today. Last week, the Lord, through Moses, had parted the sea, thus creating an escape route for the Israelites. Not only did they escape from the evil clutches of the Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but the Lord had wiped out the entire Egyptian army. This was truly an epic story of the birth of a new generation of Hebrew people. But with any good story, there's always hardship after victory, and this one does not disappoint. Now, escaping from slavery is one thing, but before long, the people began to realise that there wasn't really an obvious plan for what they're going to do with their newfound freedom. Within a month, the whole community started complaining about Moses and his two IC younger brother, Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. At least there we sat around our barbecues and ate all the sourdough we wanted. But now you brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Now God hears this complaining and says to Moses, Look, I'll sort this out. I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. And each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. But on the sixth day, there will be enough there for two days. So Moses and his brother Aaron... Address the people. People, firstly, your complaints are not about us. It actually reveals that even though you've put your faith in the Lord, you're scared he won't provide. Don't forget what happened last month with the parting of the sea. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. You will have meat to put on your spit roasts and all the sourdough you want, and then you will know that the Lord is your God. And as they spoke, they looked out toward the wilderness. and There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the form of a cloud. That evening, huge flocks of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. And when it evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. But they had no idea what it was. So Moses told them, this is the food the Lord has given you. Each household should gather as much as it needs for today, but on the sixth day, gather twice as much as you need. So some gathered a lot, some only a little bit, but each family had just what it needed. The Israelites called the food manna. It was white like coriander seed, and apparently it tasted like honey wafers. Now Moses had told them to gather only what they could eat that day, but some of them didn't listen and tried to stash them away until the next day. But by then, it was full of maggots and pretty stanky. So the people started to get the hang of this quail and manna thing. And on the sixth day, they did what they were told and gathered twice as much as usual. But they didn't really understand why, so they sent in their community leaders to ask Moses for an explanation. He told them, "'The Lord has commanded, tomorrow will be a day of complete rest.'" A holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So because today is the sixth day, you can bake, char, grill, spit roast, or air fry as much as you want. And set aside what you don't eat for tomorrow. So they did what Moses said, and in the morning the leftover food was still fresh and good to eat. Now you think that after all this, the people would start to trust Moses' track record of passing on what he heard from the Lord. However, even though Moses said there won't be any food on the seventh day, some people went out anyway. But of course, they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. On the Sabbath day, you must rest. Do not go out and pick up food on the seventh day. So eventually the people learned and began to embrace this idea of Sabbath. The Lord also commanded the people to set aside and preserve some manna in a special jar so that the future generations would not forget this provision. This eventually went into the Ark of the Covenant, a special box that contained the stone tablets and sacred items. So that's the story of how the Lord's lost and wandering people managed to have enough food to eat. And they ended up eating quail and manna for forty years. Now the whole community of Israel moved from place to place whenever the Lord told them to. Eventually they came to a place where there was no water to drink. And yet again we find the people complaining to Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Moses again replied, Why are you complaining against me? Why are you testing the Lord? But as you can imagine, tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock? So Moses, quite exasperated, cries out to the Lord, What do I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. The Lord said to him, Walk out in front of the people. Take your magic staff, the one you used to sort out Pharaoh, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses did what the Lord said, and of course water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named this place the place of testing and arguing for obvious reasons. But really, the people were still wondering, is the Lord here with us or not? See you next week.
1: Good morning. It's good to be with you and spend this time together. If you were listening at the start, Troy was talking about how strange it is when you come in here because you actually um, get dressed properly to come. I I chuckled because it was so true for me, having not been in here for a few weeks. I actually went to put mascara on for the first time since lockdown, I think. I was slightly concerned it would be all gloopy and dried out, but all was well. All was well. How are you? I hope that you're well. Earlier on this week, I had a bit of a sore throat and a little bit of a cough. So I decided I better go and have a COVID test. So I went to my local testing place and um, I pulled into the car park. I booked first, pulled into the car park, parked where they told me, made some phone calls, uh, did some reading for this morning, was quite content. It was a beautiful sunny morning and I sat enjoying the sunshine, um, just getting on with things I had to do. And then I noticed that the person in the car next to me, he had been asked to go in. I thought, great, almost my time. Um, I'm getting a little bit warm now here. So I waited, and then I noticed that the man who was sending people in went to another car, and that car had come at least 20 minutes after I'd got there. And so I felt this thing just rising in me of um, crossness, I suppose. And um, so I opened my door and said to the guy that was near me, excuse me, I was, you know, here... A long time before them, and he, he was lovely. And he said, "Don't worry, you know, we'll make sure you go in next and everything." And so I went in next after them, and I had to stand outside waiting for what seemed like such a long time. And I glanced down at my watch, and I realised that even though they'd say they said to me it would be about 20 minutes, that I'd been there for over an hour. And I just felt this crossness inside me. The people in front of me that shouldn't have been in front of me were taking such a long time. And um, they had messed up the cue system. And I was so cross. I should have listened to Linda. I've heard her talk about breathing before when we're reacting. And I should have done that slow breathing because it does make a difference. But I'm having this battle. I'm trying to catch my thoughts. And I'm going, but you had such a lovely time in the car. You were completely content. You were working there. And this big wrestle in my head As I moved through the building, standing on red tape cross to the next red tape cross, I was trying to work out um, how ridiculous it was that I was like this. And I realized that it was because it wasn't what I expected. I expect them to have a great queuing system. I expect them to send me in in the right order. Um, And I expect, if they say 20 minutes, it may be a little longer, but not an hour. I managed to calm myself down in the end, but it just wasn't what I was expecting. We're living at a time now, as we know, where life is not as we expect it to be. A couple of years ago, we'd have never imagined that these next years, these years we're living in, would have lockdowns. I think it's a fair enough expectation in life that if we have a child, a baby, that over those first few months, they get to know our close family and friends and and bond with them. I think it's a fair expectation in life that we celebrate milestones along the way, that if we need a hug, there's someone to hug, that we can gather as a church, that if someone goes into hospital, that we can visit them, that if we have children, that they can go to school. These are all fairly reasonable expectations of life, and so it's been challenging because life at the moment, even though we're hearing of roadmaps and everything else, isn't what we've been expecting Last week, as you've heard, we started this fabulous new series as we're following the journey of the Israelites out of Egypt, led by Moses. It's been good to to listen into that, and it was so good. It's great each week to be able to listen to Peter as he reads his adaptation of that. It's a time when the Israelites were learning, well, who is God? And they were learning to trust him, even though life was not what they were expecting, So for those of us this morning who have chosen to follow Jesus, I think we'll see some similarities along the way as we go. So be listening out for those. And if you're joining us this morning, and actually you're just checking Jesus out a little bit, you're not really sure what you think. Maybe somebody's invited you to watch this morning. I hope that you learned something new about God this morning. Well, last week, the Israelites were definitely experiencing something that they were not expecting. Because Moses turns up and he tells them that uh, God has heard their cry and they're going to be taken to a really good land, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's not what they expect because they see God act in power in incredible ways. If you want to know more about it, you've got to listen to last week or turn to Exodus and have a read yourself. But God turns up and acts in power and he sets them free from their misery and slavery in Egypt. Now again, this week we're look, looking at a, um, a story where the Israelites get what they're not expecting. But instead of last time when it was better, this time it's worse. The Israelites are in Egypt, and they're wanting to get to the promised land. So naturally, they would just go east a little bit, northeast a little bit, and come there, get, arrive there after a short while. That's actually a journey that many people took in those, um, in those times. But what happens is they leave Egypt, and they start heading south, and they enter a desert, they enter a wilderness that we've been hearing about and thinking about. So in this place of this is not what we expected, we're going to look at three things that the Israelites learned about God in this time and about how to live as his people and to grow in trust. And we're going to see what we can discover about this too at this time as we go on our journey of trust. So first of all, our first point is hold on to God. He is our vital Necessity. Just before the chapters that we were reading uh, this morning that we heard from Peter, there is this short story of when they first the Israelites first enter the desert. And they have three days with no water bottles, uh, with no backpacks, well they might have carried loads, but they were running out of water. They hadn't found water in three days when suddenly there is an oasis in front of them. They must have been so excited. But when they got there, they discovered that the water was bitter. So they complained to Moses. He takes that to God. God shows him a piece of water wood. He throws the piece of wood into the water. The water becomes sweet, and they have enough to drink. And then we get to this story that Peter was telling us about, where they are hungry. They are a huge group of people, and they're in a desert, in a wilderness place, and there is not going to be enough food for them. And so they complain. They take their complaints to Moses again, and this is what we read. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And so daily in the wilderness, the whole time that they're in the wilderness, they're given food every day. In the morning with the Jew, there is bread, and in the evening there is meat for them to eat. And then shortly after this, because they're moving on, they have no water again. And they come to Moses and they complain, we have no water. And God tells him to use his staff to hit a rock and water comes gushing out. And there is plenty of water for all of them. As we know, food and drink are our basic necessities. We die without them. And as God leads his people through the desert... They are learning we need God. He wants them to learn that and to know that because when they get to the promised land in the end, there's going to be plenty of food, plenty of water, and they need to learn now to depend on him, to trust him, because they will need him all of their days. He's their God and he's dependable. So what about for us now in this time that is not what we expected do we know that God is our vital necessity? Do we know that we need him? We live in a time and a place where we have food and water aplenty. We have great air quality. We have a really good health system. We have shelter over us. And so it's very easy to not be aware that we need him at all. We rely on our own resources maybe, or we rely on the resources of our society, the systems around us. And then we come to moments where we realize our need for him. Maybe somebody close to us dies or we're sick or we lose our jobs or there's a bushfire burning close to our house or we face personal challenges or whatever. We cry out to God and in those moments we recognize that we need God. And as we follow Jesus, we can know that he is near us at this time. And sometimes we see amazing things happen as we cry out to God. And sometimes we stay in that hard place that feels like a desert, but we can know that God is with us through this time. He is close and we can have hope. Last Saturday, we had a uh, Zoom meeting for any of the women at New Community, and it was lovely to get together uh, and see different faces of different women. And one of the questions that we thought, thought about is, is life better with Jesus? And we shared our responses to that. Well, there was a resounding, yes, it isn't just better with God, but I need him in my life. I need him when my perspective has got so small that actually I need him to show me a bigger perspective. I need him because he helps me to love other people better. All sorts of things were shared. He gives me purpose. He gives me hope. He gives me a clean start from the things that I've done and the things that have been done to me. He needs me because I know that he is with me. Through my days. Right now, God is what we need, whether we feel that or not. He is our vital necessity. If we reach out our hand in trust to Him, He reaches out His almighty hand and lifts us up and holds us in this time. I know some in our community feel like they're in survival mode at this moment. And if that is you, can I just encourage you to just take moments through your day that you naturally do. Put your feet on the floor when you get out of bed. Have a cuppa. A moment like that. And just in that moment say, God, I'm going to trust you. Please will you help me? And that is good because God will hear your cry and he will be with you. Hold on to him in this time that is hard. Life was better for the Israelites in the wilderness and life is better for us now in this time that is not what we expected if we recognize our need of God and know that he is our vital necessity. The second thing that they learnt out there in the wilderness is hold on to God because he cares. The Israelites had seen God do amazing, incredible, mind-blowing things in Egypt and as he rescued them from Egypt. So they know that he's powerful. They know that he is for them as a people because he's rescued them from slavery and oppression. But they don't fully know much more about him at that time. They don't know whether he cares for the small things in life, the little details of their life. And so through this journey and through these stories, they're beginning that process of learning that as God provides water, as God provides food for them. And in each of the instances, he teaches them more than that too. At the oasis where he turns the bitter water into sweet water, we read this. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, Obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees. Then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. God cares about health. He cares about restoration. In the next story we read. The Lord asked Moses, How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. On the Sabbath day, you must stay in your place. So the, seventh, so, so the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. When they were told that they needed to collect food, five mornings, just enough for that day, and on the sixth morning, enough for two days, It was because he had a gift for them, a gift of rest, a gift of setting up a rhythm of life and having time to reset your perspective, your priorities in life. God cares about these things for us. And then when God provided water from that gushing rock, we read this. Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of God argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? God cares for us. He cares that we know that he's with us, that we know that he sees us, that we know that he hears us. The Israelites were learning this, that God's heart is soft, and warm towards them, that he's amongst them. Do you know that that's true of you too, that God's heart is soft and warm towards you, that he sees you and hears you and cares about you? I wonder how you know that. Is, is that because you've experienced that? Or is that because you've been told that through your days? I remember at the age of 18, Uh, discovering this really for the first time, even though I'd followed Jesus since being a small child. I was questioning over, I had the opportunity to spend a month in London uh, to sleep on a church floor up there with lots of other young people, and we would spend our days um, in the tourist parts of London talking to people about Jesus. But I really was not sure um, if this was was the right thing to do, if this is what I should do. So I asked God, God, is this something you want me to do? And then um, I didn't give it much more thought. And a day or so after that, I was just walking down a street near my home. And I just suddenly felt this intense desire to talk to people about Jesus. It sort of just came upon me. And then I suddenly realized, I think this is God answering me. I knew deep inside me, it's so hard to explain it, but I knew deep inside me, God has answered me. I was so surprised because it actually showed me that God saw me that he heard what I had to say, and that he cared enough to give me the sense of, yeah, this this is good for you, go for it. And so I did. It was a great month of my life. I wonder whether you've experienced that moment of knowing God sees me, and he cares. Even maybe if you haven't chosen to follow him yet, you want to know, God, is he really out there? Well, I'm going to pray for you right now, Um, and we're going to ask God to some point this week, reveal himself to you, but just so you know what you're expecting, because we're talking about expectations, I will then carry on talking. This is not the end of my talk, so keep tuned afterwards. But maybe if you think, I would like to experience more of just knowing that God is near me, you might want to open your hands on your lap and then join me. Come Holy Spirit, I pray. You know those whose arms are open, desperate to know more of you, to know that you see them and care for them. And so for those of us that want to know that more, I pray that you will show us in these next few days how long and wide and high and deep your love is for us, that your desire is to restore us and to care for us. Thank you that you will be with us through these days. Come and show us, I pray. Amen. I look forward to hearing stories. Of encounters of God with you through these next days, if that's been you. And you may want to just take a moment, a brief moment through these days of going, God, I want to know more about how you care for me. And our last point hold on to God. Relationship matters to Him in each of the three stories that we listened to, when the Israelites had a complaint. And I think it is completely understandable that they complained. I complained, which probably wasn't so understandable, about waiting in a queue and having one person queue jump in front of me. These people are in a desert and they have no water They're in a desert with thousands, and they have no food, and again, no water. I actually think it is fairly reasonable that they complained. I would have been, I would have a headache and be complaining, I think. But where do they take their complaint to? They take their complaint to Moses. Let's read this next verse. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded, Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? The people were furious in their complaining. Moses actually goes to God and says, God, I think they're going to kill me. I think they're going to to stone me because they are so mad that they do not have the things that they need. Why don't they take their complaint to God. It's interesting when we were listening to Linda, Moses very clearly knew that he did not have control in this situation. He didn't have the power to give them water, to give them food. It was only God that did that. And yet their complaints came to him and not to God. God wants the Israelites to learn that he wants real relationship with them. He does want them to worship him when he brings them out of Egypt, as they did. But he also wants them to bring their complaints, their concerns, their all, all about them, to God. Where do we take our complaints, our challenges, our sorrows It's good to take them to people close to us, our friends, our family, because they're really good at helping us process them. Some of us go to Linda to have fabulous conversations with her as we process them. Do we take our complaints to social media? I wonder. We do have these amazing campaigns and amazing responses when people cry out for help when we go to social media, but I think we need to be really wise about that. Because if that's the only place we're taking our complaint, I'm not sure how good that is as we process and heal from it. What stops us taking our complaint to God? Is it that we just forget? Is it that we're not sure he'll listen or he might be angry with us? Maybe it's because we don't know that we want to hear what he has to say because he may just say to us, hold on, keep going, persist. His ways truly are best for us. How sad God must be when we ignore him. As we read our Bibles, they are full of people expressing their sorrow, their lament, their complaint, their grief. And these are the people that have beautiful, close relationships with God that he loves dearly. King David, the prophets, people like that, because he values honest relationships. With us. He wants us to bring our all to him. And so the Israelites are learning through this time in the desert that they need God as their vital necessity, that God cares for them, and that he wants relationship with them. And so for us. In this time, that is not what we would expect. For some of us, it might be quite pleasant. For others of us, it's phenomenally hard. And many of us sit somewhere in between. So let us choose to go on this journey of trust with God. Choosing to hold on to him knowing that we need him now as we do all of our days, that we can bring our all to him, our joys and our complaints and our sorrows, and that as we reach out our hand to trust him, that he will reach out his mighty hand and he will hold us at this time. May you know this week, may you trust him May you love him and know his love for you. And may you experience him this week.